This is the audio lecture for module 12. Let's get started. Chapter 10, section 3. The Muslim Civilization's Golden Age. Under the Abbasids, Muslim civilization absorbed traditions from many cultures. In the process, a flourishing new religion arose in cities from Baghdad to Cordoba. It incorporated all the people who lived under Muslim rule, including Jews and Christians. The great works produced by scholars of the Abbasid period shaped Muslim culture and civilization. Through contacts in Spain and Sicily, Christian European scholars began to study Muslim philosophy, arts, and science. Muslim scholars also reintroduced knowledge of Greco-Roman civilization to later Europeans. Social and Economic Advances Muslim rulers united diverse cultures, including Arab, Persian, Egyptian, African, and European. Later, Mongols, Turks, Indians, and Southeast Asians joined the Muslim community. Muslim civilization absorbed and blended many of their traditions. Muslims build an international trade network. Merchants were honored in Muslim culture, in part because Muhammad had been a merchant. A traditional collection of sayings stated, quote, I commend the merchants to you, for they are the couriers of the horizon of God and trusted servants on earth, end quote, sayings of the prophet. Between 750 A.D. and 1350 A.D., merchants built a vast trading network across Muslim lands and beyond. Camel caravans, the ships of the desert, crossed the Sahara into West Africa. Muslim, Jewish, and Christian traders traveled the Silk Road toward China and were a vital link in the exchange of goods between East Asia and Europe. Monsoon winds carried Arab ships from East Africa to India and Southeast Asia. Some traders made great fortunes. Trade spread products, technology, knowledge, and culture. Muslim merchants introduced an Indian number system to the Western world, where they became known as Arabic numerals. Traders also carried sugar from India and papermaking from China, introducing Islam to many new regions. As more people converted and learned Arabic, a common language and religion helped the global exchange grow and thrive. Extensive trade and a money economy led Muslims to pioneer new business practices, they created partnerships, bought and sold on credit, formed banks to change currency, and invented the ancestors of today's bank checks. The English word check comes from the Arabic word sek, spelled S-A-K-K. Bankers developed a sophisticated system of accounting. They opened branch banks in all major cities so that a check written in Baghdad might be cashed in Cairo. Manufactured goods are highly valued. As in medieval Europe, Handicraft manufacturing in Muslim cities were typically organized by guilds. The heads of the guilds, chosen by their members, often had the authority to regulate prices, weights, and measures, methods of production, and the quality of the product. Most labor was done by wage workers. Muslim artisans produced a wealth of fine goods. Steel swords from Damascus, leather goods from Cordoba, cotton textiles from Egypt, and carpets from Persia were highly valued. Workshops also turned out fine glassware, furniture, and tapestries. Agricultural thrives. Outside the cities, agricultural flourished across the wide variety of climates and landforms. Both the Umayyad and Abbasid rulers took steps to preserve and extend agricultural land. Small farming communities in desert areas faced a constant scarcity of water. To improve farm output, the Abbasids organized massive irrigation progress and drained swamplands between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. In addition to crops raised for food, farmers cultivated sugarcane, cotton, medicinal herbs, and flowers that were sold in far-off markets. 
farmers began to grow crops that came from different regions. The deserts continued to support nomads who lived by herding. Still, nomads and farmers shared economic ties. Nomads bought dates and grain from settled peoples, while farming populations acquired meat, wool, and hides from the nomads. Pastoral groups also provided pack animals and guides for the caravan trade. Social Structure and Slavery Muslim society in the 8th and 9th centuries were more open than that of medieval Christian Europe. Muslims enjoyed a certain degree of social mobility, the ability to move up in social class. People could improve their social rank through religious, scholarly, or military achievements. As in many earlier societies, slavery was a common institution in Muslim lands, though Islamic law encouraged the freeing of slaves as an act of charity. Slaves were often from conquered lands because Muslims were not supposed to enslave other Muslims. Some slaves bought their freedom, often with the help of charitable donations or even state funds. However, if non-Muslim slaves converted to Islam, they did not automatically become free. A female slave who bore a child by her Muslim owner gained freedom upon her master's death. Children born of a slave mother and a free father were also considered freeborn. Most slaves worked as household servants, while some were skilled artisans. To help break down the tribal system, the Abbasid Caliphs also created a class of Turkish slave soldiers who were loyal only to the Caliph. Often educated in Islamic law and government, some of these men rose to high positions in the government, such as vizier. This set the stage for the Turks to become powerful later in the Abbasid era. Muslim art, literature, and architecture. Muslim art and literature reflected the diverse traditions of the various peoples who lived under Muslim rule, including Greeks, Romans, Persians, and Indians. As in Christian Europe and in Hindu India, religion shaped the arts and literature of Muslim civilization. The great work of the Islamic literature was the Quran itself. Because the Quran strictly banned the worship of idols, Muslim religious leaders forbade artists to portray God or human figures in religious art, giving Islamic art a distinctive style. Poetry and Tales of Adventure Long before Muhammad, Arabs had a rich tradition of oral poetry. In musical verses, poets chanted the dangers of desert journeys, the joys of battle, or the glories of their clans. Their most important themes, chivalry and the romance of nomadic life, recurred in Arab poetry throughout the centuries. Later, Arab poets developed elaborate formal rules for writing poetry and explored both religious and worldly themes. The poems of Rabaya al-Adwiyaya expressed Sufi mysticism and encouraged the faithful to worship God selflessly without hope of reward, reward spelled R-A-B-I-A-H, next word, A-L-A-D-A-W-I-Y-Y-A. She was known to have remarked, If I worship thee in hope of paradise, exclude me from the paradise. End quote. In one of her prayer poems. Persians also had a fine poetic tradition. Ferdowsi, spelled F-I-R-D-A-W-S-I, wrote in Persian using Arabic script. His masterpiece, the Shah Nama, spelled S-H-A-H-N-A-M-A-H, or Book of Kings, tells the history of Persia. Omar... Kayam, spelled O-M-A-R, next word, K-H-A-Y-Y-A-M, famous in the Muslim world as a scholar and astronomer, is best known for the Rubaiyat, spelled R-U-B-A-I-Y-A-T. In this collection of four-line stanza, Kayam meditates on the fate and fleeting nature of light. Quote, the moving finger writes, and having writ, 
moves on. Nor all your piety nor wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line. Nor all your tears wash out a word of it. End quote. Arab writers also prized the art of storytelling. Along with ancient Arab tales, they gathered and adapted stories from Indian, Persian, Greek, Jewish, Egyptian, and Turkish sources. The best-known collection in The Thousand and One Nights, a group of tales narrated by a fictional princess. They include romances, fables, adventures, and humorous anecdotes, many set in Harun al-Rashid's Baghdad. Later versions filtered into Europe where children heard about Aladdin and his magic lamp, or Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves. Religious buildings, domed mosques and high minarets dominated Muslim cities. Adapted from Byzantine buildings, domes and arches became symbolic of Muslim architecture. For example, the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem was built around 688 AD. Inside, the walls and ceilings of the mosques were decorated with elaborate abstract geometric patterns. In addition, Muslim artists perfected skills in calligraphy, spelled C-A-L-L-I-G-R-A-P-H-Y, the art of beautiful handwriting. They worked the following Arabic script, especially verses from the Quran, into decorations on buildings. Non-religious art. Some Muslim artists painted human and animal figures in non-religious art. Arabic scientific works, including those on the human body, were often lavishly illustrated. Literary works sometimes showed stylized figures. Later, Persian, Turkish, and Indian artists excelled at painting miniatures to illustrate books of poems and fables. Muslims seek knowledge. Although Muhammad could neither read nor write, his respect for learning inspired Muslims to make great advances in philosophy, history, mathematics, and the sciences. Both boys and girls received elementary education, which emphasized reading and writing. Muslims needed these skills to study the Quran. Institutions of higher learning included schools for religious instruction and for the study of Islamic law. Al-Mamun, spelled A-L-M-A-M-U-N, and later caliphs, established Baghdad as the greatest Muslim center of learning. Its libraries attracted well-paid and highly respected scholars. Other cities like Cairo, Cordoba, and Timbuktu were also known as centers of learning. In these places, scholars made advances in philosophy, mathematics, medicine, and other fields. They also preserved the learning of earlier civilizations by translating ancient Persian, Sanskrit, and Greek texts into Arabic. Philosophy and History Muslim scholars translated the works of the Greek philosophers, as well as many Hindu and Buddhist texts. Scholars tried to harmonize Greek ideas with, about reason with religious beliefs based on divine revelation. In Cordoba, the philosopher Ibn Rushd, spelled I-B-N, next word, R-U-S-H-D, known in Europe as Averroes, spelled A-V-R-R-O-E-S, put all knowledge except the Quran to the test of reason. His writings on Aristotle were translated into Latin and influenced Christian scholastics in medieval Europe. Another Arab thinker, Ibn Khaldun, spelled E-B-N-K-H-A-L-D-U-N, set standards for the scientific study of history. He stressed economics and social structure as causes of historical events. He also warned about common causes of error in historical writing, such as bias, exaggeration, and overconfidence in the accuracy of sources. Ibn Khaldun urged historians to trust sources only after through investigation. One of the greatest Muslim mathematicians was Al-Khwarizmi, spelled A-L-K-H-W-A-R-I-Z-M-I. He pioneered the study of algebra from the Arabic word al-Jabr, spelled A-L-J-A-B-R. 
In the 800s, he wrote a book that was translated into Latin and became a standard mathematics textbook in Europe. Like many scholars of the time, Al Khwarizmi contributed to other fields too. He developed a new set of astronomical tables based on Greek and Indian discoveries. Medicine. Building on the knowledge of the ancient Greeks, Muslims made remarkable advances in medicine and public health. Under the caliphs, physicians and pharmacists had to pass a test before they could practice their professions. The government set up hospitals where injured people could get quick treatment as a f at a facility similar to today's emergency room. Physicians traveled to rural areas to provide health care to those who could not get to the city, while others regularly visited jails. One of the most original medicinal thinkers was Muhammad al-Razi, spelled A-L-R-A-Z-I, head physician at Baghdad's chief hospital. He wrote many books on medicine, including a pioneering study of measles and smallpox. He also challenged accepted medical practices. Treat the mind as well as the body, he advised young doctors. He theorized that if doctors were hopeful with their patients, recovery would be faster. The famous Persian physician Ibn Sina, spelled I-B-N-S-I-N-A, was known as Europe as Avicenna, spelled A-V-I-C-E-N-N-A. -N -N -A. By the age of 16, he was a doctor to the Persian nobility. His great work was the Canon on Medicine, a huge encyclopedia of what the Greeks, the Arabs, and he himself had learned about diagnosing and treating diseases. The book includes many prescriptions made with such ingredients as mercury from Spain, myrrh from East Africa, and camphor, spelled C-A-M-P-H-O-R from India. Other Muslim surgeons developed a way to treat cataracts, spelled C-A-T-A-R-A-C-T-S, drawing fluting out of the lenses with a hollow needle. For centuries, surgeons around the world used this method to save patients' eyesight. Arab pharmacists were the first to mix bitter medicines into sweet-tasting syrups and gums. Eventually, European physicians began to attend Muslim universities in Spain. Arabic medical texts were translated into Latin, and the works of Avicenna and Al-Razi became the standard medical textbooks at European schools for 500 years. Chapter 8, Section 3, The Crusades in the Wider World Fulcher of Chartist was just one of thousands of Europeans who took part in a series of war known as the Crusades. In these wars, which began in 1096, Christians battled Muslims for control of lands in the Middle East. As they streamed eastward over the next 200 years, Western Europeans learned that the world was much larger than they have ever dreamed. Their encounters outside Europe would serve to accelerate the pace of change at home. The world in 1050 AD. In 1050 AD, as Western Europe was just emerging from a period of isolation, many other civilizations were thriving out everywhere. The religion of Islam had given rise to a brilliant civilization that stretched from present-day Spain to India, and Muslim traders and scholars spread goods and ideas even farther. India was a land of thriving cities where Hindu and Buddhist traditions flourished, and wealthy princes built stunning temples and palaces. In East Asia, under the Tang and Song dynasties, China's culture flourished and influenced neighboring peoples. Meanwhile, the Suniki people of West Africa was building the great trading empire of Ghana. Across the Atlantic, in Central America, the Maya had cleared rainforests and built cities and towering temples. In the Andes of South Af America, Native Americans were building a great empire. The civilizations of the Americas, however, remained apart from the contacts that were taking place among Africans, Europeans, and Asians. Closer to Western Europe, the Byzantine Empire, the former Eastern Roman Empire, was generally prosperous and united. 
In the 1050s, the Seljuk Turks invaded the Byzantine Empire. The, the Turks had migrated from Central Asia into the Middle East, where they converted to Islam. By 1071 AD, the Seljuks had overrun most Byzantine lands in Asia Minor. The Seljuks also extended their power over the Holy Land, that is, Jerusalem and other places in Palestine where Christians believed Jesus lived and preached. Other Muslim groups had controlled their region in the past, but invasions by the Seljuk Turks threatened the Byzantine Empire. The conflict prevented Christian pilgrims from traveling to the Holy Land. The Crusades The Byzantine Emperor Alexius I urgently asked Pope Urban II for Christian knights to help him fight against the Muslim Turks. Although Roman popes and Byzantine emperors were longtime rivals, Urban agreed. Called to war. At the Council of Claremont, spelled C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T, in 1095 AD, Urban incited bishops and nobles to action. Quote, From Jerusalem and the city of Constantinople comes a grievous report. An accursed race has violently invaded the lands of those Christians and has depopulated them by pillage and fire. End quote. Urban then called for a crusade to free the Holy Land. Quote, both knights and footmen, both rich and poor, must strive to help expel the Seljuk Turks from our Christian lands before it's too late. Christ commands it. Remission of sins will be granted for those who go hither. End quote. God wills it, roared the assembly. By 1096 AD, thousands of knights were on their way to the Holy Land. As the crusading spirit swept through Western Europe, Armies of ordinary men and women, inspired by fiery preachers, left for the Holy Land too. Few returned. Religious zeal was not the only factor that motivated the Crusaders. Many knights hoped to win wealth and land. Some Crusaders sought to escape troubles at home. Others yearned for adventure. The Pope too had mixed motives. Urban hoped to increase his power in Europe and perhaps heal the schism or split between the Roman and Byzantine churches. In 1054, the two branches of Christianity had divided over disputes, over d beliefs and authority. Urban also hoped that the Crusades would set Christian knights to fighting Muslims instead of one another. Fighting a losing battle. Only the First Crusade came close to achieving its goals. After a long and bloody campaign, Christian knights captured Jerusalem in 1099 AD. They capped their victory with a massacre of Muslim and Jewish residents of the city. The Crusades continued off and on for over 200 years. The Crusaders divided their captured lands into four small states, called Crusader states. The Muslims repeatedly sought to destroy these Christian states, prompting Europeans to launch new crusades. In 1187 AD, Jerusalem fell to the Muslims. The victor was the able Muslim leader Salah al-Din, spelled S-A-L-A-H, next word A-L-D-I-N, known to Europeans as Saladin, one word, S-A-L-A-D-I-N. On the Third Crusade, Europeans failed to retake Jerusalem. After negotiations, though, Saladin did reopen the holy city to Christian pilgrims. Europeans also mounted crusades against other Muslim lands, especially in North Africa. All ended in defeat. During the Fourth Crusade, the Crusaders were diverted from fighting Muslims to fighting other Christians. After helping merchants from the northern Italian city of Venice, defeat their Byzantine trade rivals in 1204 AD, Crusaders captured and looted Constantinople, the Byzantine capital. Meanwhile, Muslim armies overran the Crusader states. By 1291 AD, they had captured the last Christian outpost, the city of Arch, spelled A-C-R-E. As in Jerusalem 200 years earlier, the victors massacred their enemies. 
This time the victims were Christians. The impacts of the Crusades. The Crusades left a bitter legacy of religious hatred. In the Middle East, both Christians and Muslims committed appalling atrocities in the name of religion. In Europe, Crusaders sometimes turned their religious fury against Jews, massacring entire communities. The Crusaders arrived in the Middle East at the time when various Muslim regimes were struggling among themselves for control of the region. These groups rallied together to fight the invaders, and under Saladin began to reunify the region from Egypt to Syria. Though the Crusaders failed to keep control of the Holy Land, the Crusades did have a significant impact on life in Europe. These wars helped to quicken the pace of changes that were already underway. European economies expand. Even before the Crusades, Europeans had developed a taste for luxuries from the Byzantine Empire. Returning Crusaders brought even more fabrics, spices, and perfumes from the Middle East back to Europe. Trade increased and expanded. Merchants in Venice and other northern Italian cities had built large fleets to carry Crusaders to the Holy Land. Now they used those fleets to carry on trade in such goods as sugar, cotton, and rice with the Middle East. The Crusades further encouraged the growth of a money economy. To finance a journey to the Holy Land, nobles needed money. They therefore allowed peasants to pay rents in money rather than in granular labor. Peasants began to sell their goods in town to earn money, a practice that helped to undermine serfdom. Effects on Monarchs and the Church The Crusades helped to increase the power of monarchs. These rulers won new rights to collect taxes in order to support the Crusades. Some rulers, such as the French King Louis IX and the English King Richard I, called the Lionheart, led Crusades, which added greatly to their prestige. Enthusiasm for the Crusades brought papal power to its greatest height. This period of enhanced prestige was short-lived, however. As we've discussed, popes were soon involved in a bitter power struggle with other monarchs. Also, the Crusades did not end the split between the Roman and Byzantine churches as Pope Urban had hoped. Instead, Byzantine resentment against the West hardened as a result of the Fourth Crusade, during which Crusaders had conquered and looted Constantinople. A wider worldview evolves. Contacts with the Muslim world led Christians to realize that millions of people lived in regions they had never even known existed. Soon, a few curious Europeans had left to explore far-off places such as India and China. In 1271 AD, a young Venetian, Marco Polo, set out for China with his merchant father and uncle. After many years in China, he returned to Venice and wrote a book about the wonders of Chinese civilization. Doubting Europeans wondered if he had really gone to China. To them, his tales of government-run mail service and black stones, coal, that were burned to heat homes were unbelievable. The experiences of crusaders and of travelers like Marco Polo expanded European horizons. They brought Europe into a wider world from which it had been cut off since the fall of Rome. In the 1400s, a desire to trade directly with India and China would lead Europeans to a new age of exploration. The Reconquista The crusading spirit continued after the European defeat at Acre, especially in the Iberian Peninsula. North African Muslims, called Moors, spelled M-O-O-R-S, had conquered most of present-day Spain in the 700s. However, several tiny Christian kingdoms in the north slowly expanded their borders and sought to take over Muslim lands. Their campaign to drive Muslims from the peninsula became known as the Reconquista, or Reconquest. Christians conquer Spain. The first real successes of these Christian warriors came in 1085 AD, when they captured the city of Toledo, spelled T-O-L-E-D-O. 
During the next 200 years, Christian forces pushed slowly and steadily southward. By 1140 AD, the Christian kingdom of Portugal had been established, and by 1300 AD, Christians controlled the entire Iberian Peninsula except for Granada. Muslim influences remained strong, though, and helped shape the arts and literature of Christian Spain. In 1469, the marriage of Ferdinand of Aragon, spelled A-R-A-G-O-N, and Isabel of Castile, spelled C-A-S-T-I-L-E, created and unified the state called Spain. Using their combined forces, Ferdinand and Isabella made a final push against the Muslim stronghold of Granada. In 1492, Granada fell. The Reconquista was complete. Spain expels non-Christians. Ferdinand and Isabella wanted to impose unity on their diverse peoples. Isabella was determined to bring religion as well as political unity to Spain. Under Muslim rule, Spanish, Spanish Christians, Jews, and Muslims lived in relative peace, allowed to worship as they chose. Isabella ended that tolerance. With the support of the Inquisition, a church court set up to try people accused of heresy, spelled H-E-R-E-S-Y. Isabella launched a brutal crusade. Jews and Muslims, who had been forced to convert to Christianity, could be tried by the Inquisition. If found guilty of practicing their religions, they could be turned over to the secular authorities for punishment. Many who refused to conform to church teachings were burned at the stake. In 1492, Spain expelled all Jews. The queen achieved religious unity, but at a high price. More than 150,000 people, mostly Muslim and Jews, fled Spain. Many of these exiles were skilled, educated people who had contributed much to Spain's economy and culture. 